I'm Jess Connolly, and you are listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast. We exist to equip and encourage kingdom women who are using their God-given gifts for the good of others and the glory of God. If you are a mom, a student, an artist, a doctor, we are hoping that this episode will leave you encouraged and ready to run. We're so glad you're here. Let's go. Hey friends, Jess here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to tell you that we've created a free PDF for all of our friends who are interested in one day writing a book. In the show notes of this episode, you can find a link to download, again, this free PDF where we have just combined all of the top tips from this episode so you can have it ready to go whenever you need it still listen to this episode. It's going to be incredibly informative. You're going to hear so many different questions answered, but we also wanted you to have this resource that you can take with you on the go. Enjoy the episode. Hey friends, it's Jess here. We are so glad you're joining us on today's episode of the Go and Tell Girls podcast. I've got my friend Anna Victorson here with me. Hi friends. And I just told Anna, I don't know that I've been so excited to record an episode of the podcast for so long because this feels kind of fun. It feels easy, right? It does. It feels like we we do this. Like yeah. this is what we do. The combo for me of something that feels life-giving and easy to talk about with, I actually believe we're going to be able to serve a lot of you, blesses me. So today we're talking about like where do I start if I want to write a book? Where in the world do I start? And I do want to say that for a lot of you, this might be, you might be like, okay, this is information I needed. Maybe you Google searched and found this episode or a friend sent it to you. I'm going to go ahead and say, hey, to those of you who are just curious, who are just like, I'm never writing a book, but I am a little bit of a voyeur. I listen to a lot of podcast episodes like that. I'm never going to open you know, a pizza franchise, but you better believe I've listened to a How I Built This episode about the best way to do it because it's interesting. And we like pizza. And we don't hate pizza. Okay, so first up, let's go here. Recently, I had a hilarious experience where an unnamed person of my family, I will not name them, an unnamed person of my family texted me one day, I have a word from God for you. And I was like, bring it. I can't wait. And I'll say she, but you don't know that it was really a she. It could have been a he. They said, I think I know what your next book is. And as an author, this is a text I love to receive. So I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear. And they said, I'll tell you about it tonight. So we were all with our family sitting around a fire. And this person said, okay, I'm ready to tell you about that book idea I have for you. I think you should write a book called Take It Too Far. (laughs) (laughs) And... Dear listener, if you don't know, the reason why this is hilarious is because I've actually already written a book (laughs) called Take It Too Far. But there's two reasons why this is a totally okay mistake to make. Number one, the book Take It Too Far came out two weeks, three weeks into the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So March 2020. Wait, what did it come out in March? Yeah, really? Not March. April? No, March. It came out in March 2020. That's just not. I think it was the very last week of March. That's not cute. That's not fair. And it was like heavy stay at home times. Like nobody knew what we were doing. 
So it's fair that this family member of mine may have forgotten because we were all dealing with much bigger things at that moment. The second reason why I'm going to be honest with you, I think this is a fair mistake to make is because almost, I don't know that almost anyone in my family could correctly name the amount of books I've written. And I don't say that to say like, I've written so many books, but I was just on a pretty aggressive publishing schedule for a minute. But I do think you could, Anna, right? Do you want me to name them right now? Off of the top of your head, you can't number them. It's either seven or nine. Well, it depends how you count. Yeah. It's nine. Okay. But it, yeah. counts, it depends on if you're counting depends Bible on how you studies. Count. It depends on if you count Bible studies. If you count Bible studies, it's nine. If you count breaking free from body shame Bible study, which we self-published, that's 10. Okay. I'm so wrong. you're not wrong. It's just a complicated answer. But I will tell you about book writing. Recently, I had someone tell me, hey, listen, you need to watch your language when you talk about book writing because you always say we and it it makes it sound like you use ghostwriter, which I do not in fact do. I write my own books. When I say we, when we're talking about book writing, I mean you and me. I mean me and Anna. And I don't write any books, just to you be clear. are an integral part of the process for me, which is definitely why you have to be on this podcast. So starting at my first book was Wild and Free. I didn't know you then. Sadly, Stan Run was my second book and my first traditionally published Bible study. I didn't know you for that one. Real sad about that. I met you in the throes of writing. You were the girl for the job. So you got to be a part of not only like finishing that manuscript, you were one of the first people who read that manuscript, but then the publishing process of it. Since then, we've done Take It Too Far. Mm -hmm. Were you there when we did Always Enough, Never Too Much? Or that had already come out? that had already come out. So Take It Too Far, we've done together. Glory Girl, we did together. Yep. Breaking Free from Body Shame, we did together. Yep. And then Breaking Free from Body Shame Bible Study, which was a separate launch. Yep. Is that it? The Girl for the Job Bible Study. Oh, you were the Girl for the Job Bible Mm -hmm. Study. And you were the Girl for the Job launch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we've done a lot of this together. Yeah. So you're basically an expert is what I'm saying. Sure. Okay. If you say so, (laughs) we'll trust you. So this podcast is for anyone who dreams of one day writing a book. It's for anyone who is currently working on their writing. It's for the gals who have published or self-published and could use some encouragement. And I will also say it's for the voyeurs. It's for those of you who are like, wait, how does this work? Mm -hmm. I just want to know. We welcome you here. We say, God bless you. We understand it. So we're going to start with a section called Things We Wish All Budding Authors Knew. Also, I think the word budding might sound B-U-D-D-I-N-G. I think it might sound condescending here. Yeah, but it's not. I would say things I wish— Blooming. Bl- oh! Budding, blooming. Blooming. Things we wish all blooming authors knew. <laughs> okay, our top one. I actually want you to say it because I feel like you live this inside and out and you do it really well and you lead other women well in it. So first thing is that your who is just as important as your what, if not more. So basically, who you are writing to means even more than what exactly you are writing. I could not agree more. Your who matters so much more than your what. So this is every level, every genre of writing. This is those of you who write on social media. This is those of you who send out a newsletter. This is women who want to write long form in book form. I would say this is for podcasters. I would say this is for any communicators. This is for anyone who's going to write in any form, devotionals, fiction, kids' books, 
You have to know your who. You have to know their pain points, where they're coming from. And really, you have to know where you want them to end up when the book is over. So I'm going to answer a question that a lot of people, we're going to do some Q&A later. You guys asked incredible questions on Instagram. But one answer I can give you right now that answers a lot of questions as far as where do I start or structure or what's the most important thing to know when going into book writing The most important thing for me and how I start is my reader. So I am in the very beginning processes right now of writing my next book. And the only thing I've done so far is write about my reader. Now, a lot of you might be like, well, how do you know? And the truth is, it's a little bit of guesswork. It's a little bit of paying attention It's a little bit of like flexing some spiritual muscles of listening and compassion. And I would say it's also some spiritual work of kind of prophetically speaking into and naming the people that you most want to serve with your writing. So right now I'm in the process of I'm just writing paragraph upon paragraph about my reader. What are her pain points? What would make her want to buy this book? How do I want her to feel when she's done reading it? What are her friends saying about this topic? Who is she already learning from about this? Where does she shop? I'm naming all of those different things because this is also knowing your who is also an answer to the question of how do you stay motivated? How do I stay motivated through the book writing process when it's really long and arduous? And we're going to talk about that in a second. And the answer is I constantly am thinking about her. And how do I know what to write? And how do I know what to take out and what to put in? It's I'm thinking about her. What's going to serve her? Actually, my friend Haley Morgan, who I published my first book with, we co-wrote Wild and Free. I'm almost positive this was her idea, and I thought it was genius. But when we started writing Wild and Free, Haley had us make a private Pinterest board of pictures of women's faces. Mm -hmm. And she said, just anytime we're lacking motivation, let's go and look at this Pinterest board and see these women that we're writing to specifically, which really shaped how I write today. It's a really, really, really big deal. Anything I'm leaving out about knowing your who? I think the motivation piece is really important. It really helps you keep going. Absolutely helps you keep going. Okay, number two thing that we really wish all blooming authors knew. This is a big one. Here's the preamble. We're about to save some of you a lot of time and we might make just a handful of you disappointed. This is my favorite thing to tell people and my least favorite thing to tell people who have done the opposite of this already. It's too much preamble at this point. If you are interested in traditional publishing, do not write the whole book. Don't do it. Don't do it. Here's what I mean. I meet people out in the wild, out on the street, out in the city, and they say, hey, Jess, you're an author. I actually just wrote a whole book. I just I just finished a book, and now I want to figure out how to get it published. That makes my heart sink because here's why. If you are interested in traditional publishing, this is why we are having this podcast because we want to equip you with this knowledge. Publishers and or agents will not read the entire book. That is not how you get a book deal. And in fact, they don't want you to write the whole book. Mm -hmm. In most cases, there are slight exceptions to the rule. And fiction is always different from this than nonfiction. So in fiction, they often want to see a whole manuscript or a large chunk of the manuscript. But in nonfiction traditional publishing, what they want to see is a book proposal. That's what an agent wants to see. And then that's what a 
a traditional publishing company wants to see. And the reason why it's also beneficial for them, for you to not have written the entire book is because they want to speak into Mm -hmm. the direction of the book. So your natural next question might be like, well, how do I write a book proposal? And there's a million different ways to do it. You can, I would literally encourage you to start with Google. That's where I started. But really what's beautiful about a book proposal is it's going to have you think through your who, who are you writing to? What do you want to tell them? And a book proposal is actually a really helpful tool for an author to dive into. It actually really helps you determine what it is you're out to do. It helps you structure your book well. And so a lot of people's questions that are then like, how do I know how many chapters to have? I would say, well, it depends on your who and it depends on your book proposal. You'll figure that out as you make it. But start with Googling, how do I write a book proposal? And you will find a wealth of knowledge. We're also going to tell you at the end another great resource as far as book proposals are concerned. So if you're interested in traditional publishing, do not write the whole book. All right. You want to share our next big tip? Yeah. So next tip is just to remember that it's a process that takes a lot of time and persistence and patience and humility. Yes, yes, yes. The publishing process requires intense amounts of time. I couldn't agree more. It's a very, very incredibly slow process. So just my experience. But for me, with my first book with Wild and Free, I submitted a book proposal to an agent in December 2013. In May 2014, that agent accepted me as one of her authors. So that process alone took about six months. Mm -hmm. That fall, the agent, my incredible agent, Jenny Burke, began pitching Wild and Free to publishers. We did not sign a book deal till February 2015. So that's already over a year. That's already over a year, and we have not started writing. We start writing in February 2015. We finish in May 2015. And the standard minimum amount of time between the time that you finish a traditionally published manuscript and it comes out, you can get it on bookstore shelves, is at least one year. The way the publishing industry has changed right now, it's closer to 18 months post-pandemic. So that is December 2013 to May 2016 that we were in it for this one book. And then once the book comes out, I like to encourage authors to consider your book launch season one year long. To really shepherd the message of a book, you need about a year. I mean, we're a year and what, five months out? Not even from breaking free. A year and four months. A year and four months out. And you and I feel like we are just getting started Mm -hmm. talking about breaking free. I still really feel like we're launching it to some degree. And so it absolutely takes time. I want to encourage you that it takes a ton of persistence. So I've mentioned having an agent. I massively encourage you, if you're interested in traditional publishing, to get a literary agent. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this in a minute, about what an agent does for you. But I massively encourage you because they represent you well. They really help you. And at this point, it's not the hard and fast rule. There's always exceptions. But an agent is going to have a lot more access to know Mm -hmm. what the different publishing companies are like. They're going to have contacts. They're going to help you shift the book proposal in incredible ways. And they're also going to help fight for you and help advocate for you with your publisher on 
all things from finances, how much you're going to actually get paid to write the book, to marketing, to your time, to book title, to cover, to editing, all of those things. It really helps to have someone in your corner. So traditionally, you get an agent first and then the literary agent pub pushes it to publishers. But I want to speak right now to persistence because I talk to women all the time who say, oh, I wanted to write a book, but I pitched a book proposal to an agent and they said no. And I said, oh, awesome. Well, what happened with the next agent? And they'll say, oh, I didn't go to a second agent. And I would encourage you that you may have to go to multiple, multiple literary agents to find the one that's right for you. I have a close friend who just got into the publishing world and This is how she described literary agents. She said, oh, after a little bit of time, I realized it's like finding a real estate agent to sell your house. It's not a question of if you're going to find one. It's a question of finding the right one. Mm -hmm. And I said, ding, 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 ding. That is it. But the publishing process takes persistence. (laughs) It takes persistence not only to get a literary agent, it takes persistence to then find the right publisher. For us, Wild and Free was turned down by every single publisher except for one. And so we could have gotten just defeated by the first no, the second no, the third no, the fourth no, the fifth no. Some people receive five, 10, 15, 20 no's before they get the right yes. And I think it really helps to hear that up front, that this is not a one and done and it's not a quick process. Mm -hmm. But But if you believe God has called you to it and you really want to serve other people, this is where being motivated by your who just helps a ton. If you really want to serve her, him, them, your reader, you'll keep going. Patience. It takes massive amounts (laughs) of patience. Patience with yourself, patience with publishers, patience with your reader. I would actually say that's a really important part. It takes a lot of patience with your reader. You have to love them. You have to look at their struggles and hear them like even to some degree, like continually complain about this thing that maybe for you feels simple or easy or Or like, I wrote a whole book about it. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Just read the book. (laughs) Yeah. To be, I feel like a kingdom minded author, it takes a lot of patience. And then lastly, it takes a lot of humility. This is not a business to get into if you are terrified to be wrong. It's not a style of work to get into if you don't like to be edited or corrected Mm -hmm. or even shifted a little bit. There are going to be so many people, starting with your agent, moving on to like 20 different people at a publishing company, and then prayerfully, you know, hundreds and thousands, if not more readers Mm -hmm. who have something to say about what you've done. Now, the great news is that as kingdom women, we have humility as the muscle to help us process that. And I often say that I don't lose my mind over a one-star Amazon review because I don't feel like my whole life is made by a five-star review. I submit and work as under the Lord, and it doesn't mean that either one doesn't impact me, but I have to kind of be girded and grounded by, again, a desire to serve my who, and also just a humility that says, like, I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm not the smartest person who's ever talked about this. I'm not the best author. A lot of times I'll talk to women who are interested in writing. They'll say, like, what if what if you're worried you can't say it best? And I say, I don't worry about that because I can't. I can't. can't. <laughs> I literally can't say it best, but I can say it the way I say it, and I can say it the way God showed me to say it. And that's the best I can do. And I want to read the way other people say it. Okay, next one. Why don't you take us there, Anna? 
So all of that being said, we know some of that might sound discouraging or negative, but it is not impossible. Woo! It is not impossible. Okay. I actually feel like you're so equipped to speak about this because where I've gotten the pleasure of writing books, I feel like you've gotten the pleasure of cheering on so many women that we coach and you've seen them maybe be nervous that it's just not going to happen. Yeah. But then they stay persistent, they stay humble, they stay patient, and it actually does happen. Yeah. I tell women all the time, the publishing industry really is, not only is it constantly shifting, but I feel like we're in a really, really incredibly sweet space where publishers want to hear from kingdom-minded women Mm -hmm. who love God, who love their local community, who faithfully serve and faithfully show up where they're at. And who want to write many books for the long haul. I don't think they're always looking for the Instagram account with a million followers. And so the tide is kind of turning. And so it's really not a question of like, if you'll ever get to write a book, but when and how and what that will look like. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a great one. Okay, last on our list that that we wish every blooming, budding, up and coming, author knew is that it's rarely a full-time income writing books and that's okay. Yeah. So let's talk about the money a little bit. When we're talking about writing a book, we're talking about traditional publishing. So one of the first things you should know, a lot of times, uh, or actually I got a few questions about this when I asked on Instagram, people were like, how much does it cost? How much should I pay the agent up front? How much do I pay the publisher? And here's the great news. It shouldn't cost you any money. Well, that's not true. It will cost you money in weird ways, <laughs> but you're <laughs> upfront. <laughs> up it should not cost you anything for traditional publishing. It should to not. get your agent absolutely when they sign with a publisher. Absolutely, agent should not require you to give them money. A publisher should not require you to give them money. If they do, it's probably not a great setup. An agent, however, will automatically take fifteen percent of any income you make on the book. So that includes your advance, which is what you get paid upfront to write the book, and also any royalties you make, meaning what you sell, what you sell through your advance. So when you sell enough copies to pay off, I'm saying that with air quotes, to pay off your advance, then anything past that is called a royalty. It's money you get once a quarter. So book writing for it to be a full-time income. And you and I even kind of dialogued about this because yeah. I wrote it down and you were like, well. <laughs> I was like, it depends on what a full-time income looks like it for does. you. It does. But let's say, breakdown. I would say if you are a first-time author in traditional publishing with a small to medium-sized platform with an incredible book idea, I would say a first time advance to write a book is going to be anywhere from $15,000 to Mm $30,000. That sounds pretty standard, right? For a first time author. And that's great. Anywhere in that range would be awesome, which to a lot of people, two things might be happening in your brain right now. You might be like, well, number one, I would pay somebody to write a book and I'm with you. Same. I would pay somebody to let me write a book because I love writing so much. But (laughs) I have learned to value my craft and I have learned what an incredible job this is and how much work it takes. Mm -hmm. And so also some of you might be like, $15,000, $20,000, that's very close to a full-time income where I live. And I would say, I hear you. It's so much money. What you have to remember is that for the most part, this is the only money you're going to see from this message 
for a long time. Yeah. So it's the money you're going to be paid to write the book, to work on the book throughout a year of marketing, through the book launch. And potentially I would plan on at least one to two years after. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about an advance for one year. We're really talking about it for probably three years. Yeah. And so that's where I would say it is not necessarily a full-time income from the get-go. Now, there's some caveats to this. You write a handful of books, and they do well, and you market well, and you see those advances increase. Now, then here comes the caveat. So I would say a few years in, a few books in, I'm seeing some advances that would make a great salary for a year or two. Now, for me, the difference is at this point in publishing where I'm putting this much work into it, I'm now also paying multiple members of a team to help me publish my books. So for me, just the way that we've handled our finances is that all of my book advances and money go into Go and Tell Gals because the entire team helps me publish the books. So that money doesn't get deposited right into my bank account. It goes into our business bank account. It's a part of our entire business. And so that's where I would say even authors that you're seeing, you know, sell a million books, you have to consider mm -hmm. how many people are they paying at that point. Right to be able to help them do everything that they're doing. How many assistants do they need? How many directors of marketing do they need mm -hmm. to be able to execute at that level? Are they paying people to then at that point help them answer DMs because they're getting so many messages and they want to shepherd their readers well? Just all of these things. And so that being said, it's rarely a full-time income, but that's okay. Yes. There are so many other ways to make money through, for example, like speaking engagements once you get a book out. A lot of authors utilize e-courses or podcasts or other ways to yeah, bring in once income. You have, once you know who you're speaking to, once yep. you have your message written, your core message that you're super passionate about and that you know your reader needs, then you can start building a lot of different money-making opportunities through other avenues for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a quick break here for a word from our sponsor, which is us. <laughs> Last summer, we invited you all into free girl summer. We launched Breaking Free from Body Shame, my newest book, into the world. And we got to tell thousands upon thousands of women that their bodies are good in Jesus name. But guess what? We were just getting started. We've just launched the Breaking Free from Body Shame Bible Study in a printed version. A few months ago, we launched a digital Bible study guide, and we heard from you all that you said, nope, we need a physical Bible study book that we can take, meet in our communities, and dive into this word together. And so we did it. We made a printed Bible study for you all. We also have the video Bible study if you want the teaching in your groups with two people, three people, just by yourself or with a whole crew of women. You can get the Breaking Free from Body Shame Bible Study and the Video Bible Study at JessConnelly.com. And we would love to see what it looks like for you to keep breaking free in Jesus' name, aided now by the Word of God, the Sword of the Spirit, the weapon that will help us take out body shame forever. Let's go. All right, we are back. And now we're going to head to some of the frequently asked questions we got on Instagram. You guys yep. asked incredible questions. There were so many. We there, had to really narrow it down, we, but there are so many 
amazing questions. We really did. This first one feels appropriate. It does. It's a big one. We're not going to be able to, you know, fully cover it. But Mm -hmm. huge question that a lot of people wondering is, what does it look like self-publishing versus traditional publishing? Which is better? What should I do? Yeah. What are your recommendations? Well, interesting that we just heard from our sponsor, who is the Breaking Free from Body Shame Bible Study, because that is my... I call it my only self-published book. Mm-hmm. I actually self-published another book years before I met you. Have we ever talked about this? No. I know we have. I know we have. Mm-hmm. It was maybe in like 2013. I published an ebook. I have told you I'm this. Find it. No, you have not. It's called "Be Quiet and Say Something." I really don't think you've told it me was, this. Uh, Please, no one look for it. Some of you may. Everyone head to Google <laughs> right no, now. It's scrubbed from the internet. <laughs> It's scrubbed from the internet. So we're going to tell you in a little bit about another resource we have to really help come alongside you as far as answering this question. But here's my hot take on self-publishing versus traditional publishing. If you are like, listen, I got to get this book out. I got to get these words out. I just got this. I got this message pent up in my bones. I really don't care how many people read it. It could be five. It could be 15. It could be 20. I just want to write it. Mm -hmm. Self-publishing is probably a great avenue for you. Yeah. And there's a million different ways to pursue it. For those of you who are very reader focused and you are sitting listening to this podcast or walking and are saying, Actually, I want to impact people in a significant way. I want to serve people. I want to help people experience more freedom, more wholeness, more healing. I want people to be able to live simpler lives. I want people to experience their relationship with God in a new way. I want to compel them to do something. Then I would say, do not discount your place in traditional publishing. So the main message I have is do not choose self-publishing out of defeat. Mm -hmm. Do not, let me say it again, do not choose self-publishing out of defeat because there's just no bones about it. Traditional publishing has a much wider reach and can get your message in more hands than self-publishing. There's just no bones about it. At this point, even with 100 plus thousand Instagram followers, we self-published the Breaking Free from Body Shame Bible Study. Mm -hmm. We effectively made a lot more money self-publishing that Bible study than we would have traditionally publishing it because we sold it ourselves and produced it ourselves. We loved the product. We got an editor, an incredible editor. Our friend Morgan edited it for us. Morgan Stralo, follow her on Instagram. You will love her the most. She's an incredible author and an incredible editor. She's also one of our Go and Tell Gals coaches. We loved the finished product. Again, it was more profitable because we did it on our own. But even with the reach that we have, we can barely touch the numbers of people who received it and have it and have it in their churches and have it in their homes because it was self-published as opposed to traditionally published. So you might be asking, why did we do that? And the only reason we did it is because my traditional publishing company at the time passed on the Bible study multiple times. And so that's the only reason why. And I felt like this has to be a Bible study. They didn't see like the spot for it. And so we made the moves to make it on our own. I really still wish it was traditionally published because ultimately I want as many women and as many churches and as many Bible study groups as possible to be able to have access to this resource. So if you are at all like, oh, let's say I want to change the world. I want God to change the world through my books. 
Please don't choose self-publishing out of defeat. Be persistent, be humble, get training, get people to speak into you, to speak into your writing and try and try and try and try again because the world needs more women authors and the world needs more women authors who have smaller platforms. So I'm just begging you in the name of Jesus to be persistent because I had a much smaller platform when I started too. And what it takes is a focus on others and a tenacity to keep going and to keep writing. So that's my quick spiel. Moving on to the next question. (laughs) Where do you start when book writing? With my who. I start with my who. From there, I make an outline. Yeah. This is just me. I'm a very linear writer. I outline the book from A to Z. I sometimes see really cute Instagram pictures of people, of authors with like white notes or, you know, like boards all over their wall where they have, I don't even know what they're doing. It only happens on a one-page document for me. That's okay. <laughs> but even after I've signed a book contract and maybe the publisher's like, hey, we don't need a book proposal, I basically still write a book proposal. And I do that for me. Yeah. I write about my reader. I write a one-sentence summary of what I think this book is going to be about. I write a three paragraphs. I do all the things that an agent or a publisher would require you to do in a book proposal because it's a great format to help me get where I'm going. That's just a personal for me. But really, in Jesus' name, please start with your reader. And especially if you're listening to this and you want to write books, you're already a writer. Mm -hmm. So start there. You're not stuck. Start writing about your reader. What do you think her pain points are? What does she feel? What's she experiencing, et cetera? Yeah, that's good. What does your outline look like? Well, I kind of spoiled that one. Yeah, that's true. My outline is really, again, it's a one-page document. And that's what works for me Mm -hmm. because I'm a linear, I'm a pretty linear writer. So Mm -hmm. I start at the beginning, I end at the end. I rarely jump around in the middle of writing. But I think that doesn't work for everybody. Some people kind of have to like start writing essays and then see how they piece together. It's going to be different for everybody else. Yeah, yeah. What does writing a book look like practically? Like how much time does it take? How do you like overall each day, how much do you write? All that. Great. That's a really good one. Okay. So I want to demystify the amount of time it takes to write a book while also honoring it's a complex situation. So here's my demystifying piece. A lot of people are overwhelmed by the amount of time that it takes you to write a book. If you write about a thousand words a day, which is a really pretty sustainable pace to write per day, I would say to sit down and write a thousand words if I'm not editing. I just sit down and I write a thousand words. That's my daily goal when I'm in a book writing season. Max amount of time, if you just sit down and write and you're having a normal writing day, again, I want to give a lot of caveats, I'd say is an hour and a half a good hour if you're like pumping, if you're feeling it. If you have an outline, you know where you're going. If you write an hour a day, let me just totally demystify it for you. A traditionally published nonfiction book is going to be anywhere from 40,000 to 70,000 words. I've heard of 30,000 word books and I've written an 80,000 word book myself. (laughs) A lot got cut out of that one. So Let's hit somewhere in the middle. I think the standard is Mm 50,000 for a nonfiction book. So you're talking about 50 days of writing. Personally, when I'm in a book writing season, I write about five days a week. I take at least one day off a week, or maybe I'll write four days a week, and I take one day off a week, and then I'll take one day a week to edit. 
as for me and my house, there's one caveat to this. I can share that story in a second because you were a big part of it. As for me and my house, as for me and my life, I cannot take time off from work, rarely to write. Now, this season is a little bit different in that I did say no to all speaking engagements for this fall because I wanted to prepare to write, but I also didn't know that I'd be going through this saga with my house, and I think God really just wanted to keep me close. (laughs) (laughs) I swear, because sometimes traveling would be a lot for me in a writing season Mm -hmm. because— Let's say I travel like Thursday to Saturday for a speaking engagement. It's just hard to like kind of get my equilibrium back and then write from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. And change mindsets between like messages and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So I took the fall off from speaking, but now probably by the time I'm done, I'll still be writing when I start traveling again. So we'll just have to figure it out. But I can't take time off from work. I still come in and go and tell Gal's office. I still do my kids. I still do carpool. I still do all that. Mm -hmm. I don't take really like significant writing retreats away. I really want to. That sounds beautiful. It's not something I've been able to do yet. But that's what works for me, writing as I'm going about an hour a day. And personally for me, what I do is when I'm in a writing season, I sub my morning quiet times for writing. And I wake up and I make a cup of coffee and I write for an hour and then I get on with my day and I switch to reading my Bible in the afternoon. Or I realize that a lot of times as I'm writing, I'm basically reading the Bible and processing, and Mm -hmm. it feels a lot like I've had a quiet time anyhow. So that's what it looks like for me. You're going to find what works for you. Some of you are going to write one day a week and write three or four hours a day. But I do want to demystify it and say, I personally believe there's a point of diminishing returns. When someone tells me that they're planning on taking a year to write a book, I'm like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. You I just think don't need it. I think you'll start to feel crazy. Yeah. You're gonna um, second guess what you're writing a lot. You really are. <laughs> now, do you wanna tell the story about when I say we wrote that book, I mean that we wrote that book. So here's what happened. I've already told you I wrote the book called Take It Too Far. True story. It's one of my favorite books. It's a it's a great book. It's in my top three of books I've written. And there's one reason for that. And it's because it's devotional style. The book is called Take It Too Far. It's about taking the things of God too far. And it's basically an Enneagram 8 manifesto. But here's the story of how we wrote Take It Too Far. What had happened is that I forgot. <laughs> Sorry to anyone listening who is a part of it. Well, here's the deal. I lost my editor halfway through. Yeah. They switched the editor halfway through and everybody forgot about Take It Too Far. So I didn't have an editor. So there was no one checking up on me saying like, hey, have you turned that in yet? Or like, have you written 20 devotionals yet? Can I read any of them? Nobody wanted to read any of them. The book got forgotten. And you and I were working on the Breaking Free Bible Study. We were filming the Breaking Free Bible Study. We were moving into this building, the Bright City building. The church was moving into the building, which is my church. And I was in charge of like furniture and design and fundraising. And our office was moving in here. You had had like multiple speaking engagements multiple very speaking far away. Engagements. Some of them had like crazy travel things happen <laughs> that we were stuck places for longer it than we It was a were really crazy to. season. But what happened is- It was is, kind of a series of unfortunate events. It really was. And it, what happened is that Anna one day looked at me and she was like, on your calendar, do you see that it says your book's due this week? And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Had not been written. We, I had not written in of yet. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad, guys. But here's my problem. Here's my toxic trait. I love a deadline. And you've never missed one, right? I've pushed Dance, Stand, Run back okay. because that book literally almost killed me. Yeah. What happened in the middle of writing Dance, Stand, Run is that one of my kids used my laptop 
Oh, and they spilled what? water over. What all I meant over to say it. is, we've never missed one. <laughs> <We have> ne- <laughs> Since Anna's come onto the scene, we have never missed a deadline. I'm actually even usually a little early on deadlines. I'm a pretty faithful deadline girl. So I was like, Anne, we're not missing this deadline. So here's what we did: we we locked me in my office for two days straight, and for every five devotionals that I wrote. Take It Too Far is 100 devotionals. For every five devotionals that I wrote, you gave me a small treat. (laughs) And for every 10, I got a big treat. So for like every five, I'd get another cup of coffee. Or we'd be like, okay, now it's time for lunch. Yeah, you can can have lunch. For every 10, you'd let me do like online shopping. (laughs) You'd get to like pick out new furniture for our office, like press like order on like chairs. I had to get to go on a walk. I would would get allowed out of the building. That was a big treat. (laughs) That was a big treat. But you know what? That book got written in 48 hours. It did. And it's one of my top three favorite books I've ever written. <laughs> Which also just goes to show that you don't need to spend a year on it. Probably more than two days. Let's be honest. <laughs> you really need but, more than two days. You know, it just forces you to like get out the words that need to get out. They do. I'm just a firm believer that if there are some books that need a lot of research. There are some books yeah. that need a lot of studying. But if you are having to totally relearn or learn a subject and research it for a year ahead of time, you might not have the authority to write about it yeah, just yet. That's real. Like at some point, and this is also what I would say about like setting, like a lot of us picture ourselves in flowery settings or like in coffee shops or on writing retreats, but like the words are in you. Can I encourage you this writer with this writers? Like the words are in you. God is mighty in you. The authority you have, your perspective, it's already in you. So if you're on your sofa in the dark or you have a toddler laying in your lap as you type, if you are just hammering out the words on your iPhone in the carpool line, the words are in you. It doesn't matter if it looks cute when they come out. Mm-hmm. My daughter, Glory, has written, I'm going to say, she would not say this, but there she's really written two full-length fiction novels. I love it so much. And one of them she wrote on an iPad that did not have a keyboard, just tapping with her fingers. I mean, that's like, dedication. That's tenacity. That are, says, she like, had words in her. She had words in her. She just had to get them out. Okay. Next question. What is your favorite part and your least favorite part about writing books? My favorite part's all of it. (laughs) I love writing books. Okay. If I have to say my favorite part, for me, there's a part in the middle of the book writing process. Like the first half is like a lot of curiosity. I feel like you've lived this with me now. There's usually a day in the middle of the book writing where I'll text you and say, this is a good book. Mm-hmm. Like we've got it. Yeah. Like it's, I, I get it. And it's not about my writing and it's not even about my perspective. It's like, okay, we've hit it. I think it's going to help people. Mm-hmm. And I have that moment, but I would say I, I also love all of it. I love talking to readers. I love getting emails from readers. I love, I don't know. I like all of it. I love marketing, which I think is really helpful. I'll give you this quick caveat. I do not ever feel like it's selling myself or promoting myself because what I'm really doing is trusting that God has given me something to serve other people. So Mm -hmm. all of marketing for me is about other people. It's not about me. It's not about promoting myself. It's about saying, hey, I have this word that I think is going to encourage you. And it's about you and about the transformation you're going to see. And so that really frees me up. My least favorite part, if the whole book is 100%, mm-hmm. the last 5% I love. 
when it's flowing at the end of my books, I tend to feel like very manifesto-y. I would say the 10% before the last 5%. So the beginning of the last 15%, I hate that part. It feels like I can't sit down anymore. This is getting weird. It's never going to end. We're doing this forever. It feels like the last mile of a marathon when you're like, this is just stupid. This is dumb. This was a bad idea. Yeah. You know what it is? It's like of a half marathon. It's like mile 10. It is. Where it's like you still have three miles to go. Yes. But you've been running for 10 miles. The last mile is one where you're like, it's the last mile. You love the last mile. You love the last mile. That's what it is. That's what it is. You're just like, sometimes I've only had one book that was like, no, that's not true. Dance, stand, run, that part like genuinely devastated me. Dance, Dan, Run. (laughs) Nobody even knows what I'm saying when I say it, which is why we know it's not a great title. I would say of my books, it's in my top five that I've written, but it's probably the least read. Um, And it almost took me out because I was writing about grace and holiness. And it was messing me up. I've showed you that picture. I have a picture of myself from the last like two weeks writing it. And I actually look like someone had jumped me. My eyes were bloodshot. I was swollen. I was crying a lot. It was a lot. But I also hit that point writing Girl for the Job. Like I remember writing the fear chapters and being really like, this is a lot to process. But the last 5% is a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Are you an expert before you start writing or do you become one as you write it? Well, let me flip that question on its head. Who said you have to be an expert? And can you take that pressure off yourself right now? What if you're not supposed to be an expert? What if you're supposed to be a guide? What if you're supposed to be a friend who's a few steps ahead Mm -hmm. from your reader? Someone offering just a tidbit of your own perspective. Absolutely. I say that because I think you will feel like a fraud. You know, this is what we always say about imposter syndrome. Don't pretend like you're the expert and you won't feel like an imposter. Mm -hmm. But I get the heart of your question, which is, should you feel like you have some authority in this before you start writing? And I would say yes. I think you need to feel like this is an area where not that I'm the expert, not that I've got it all together, not that I feel perfect. This is an area where I know I have a lot to say about it because guess what? 60,000 words, 50,000 words is a lot of words. And then you're going to have to talk about it for at least a year, if not more. So you're going to want to have a lot to say about it. But also where you feel like you have a little bit of victory. But do other people have to see you as an expert in this area? The answer is no. You don't ever have to wait for human permission or human commissioning if God has told you to do it. From a marketing perspective, is it more helpful if people have already heard you talk about this subject? Yeah, you're like aligned with it already. Yes. I think we would both say for Breaking Free from Body Shame, if I could redo Breaking Free from Body Shame, I actually felt like I had a lot of authority in that area, but I had not been talking about it for years and I would have started talking about it earlier. Mm-hmm. But it was a part of my life that I kept really private and then I just started writing about it. Yeah. So I would have started talking about it earlier just to help my reader, just to help her know like, oh, this is something Jess cares about. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another thing that is really important to think about when thinking about like being a quote unquote, like expert or having authority, do you need to be an expert? No, but it also, you need to protect yourself as well. Yeah. If you're like in the throes of something, it's not going to be healthy for you to be trying to like write about it and like shepherd other people through it. You need to be on the other side of it. So like you said, you need to have experienced victory in it already. Like you couldn't have written breaking free three years before you did. No. Like that wouldn't have been safe or healthy or good for you. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I would have felt like a fraud. Yeah. Whereas by the time it came out, when people would ask me really hard questions, like, do you really feel free? I would say, yes. Yes, actually, yes. <laughs> I yeah. really do. Yeah. It's like when I, you're in it, you can't be like writing to the person who like is also in it. You need to be a few steps past that. And this is a tip for all authors because I feel like another question people ask as far as Instagram or social media or newsletters and book writing is – how do you know when you've processed it enough and how do you know when you're healed enough to share? I think one of the top mistakes that I see blooming authors make is talking about something before they've experienced healing and freedom in it. Mm -hmm. And so I would say if someone is going to leave a negative comment about the thing that you have just spoken about and it's going to wreck you, you're not ready. That's a you're not ready. Really good. I, for example, this is why I rarely talk about motherhood. It's why I'm not going to write a book on motherhood. Because if somebody left me one comment and said, like, see, this is why your kids are a mess, I'd be undone. Mm-hmm. It would be too tender for me. I don't think that you have to, like, all of a sudden have this incredibly thick skin and not care what people think about you at all. Whereas for me, I knew if people started to come from my body or if they started to come from my perspective of body image and freedom, I was fine. Mm -hmm. I felt like I could be like, okay, that's your perspective. I don't agree. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. We have said so much on this podcast, (laughs) apparently too much at times, (laughs) but this is the tip of the iceberg of what we share in Go Teams. Go Teams is our group coaching program. We are offer Go Teams for women interested in ministry, writing, small business, and communication. And in Go Teams, we have over 14 hours of coaching for women interested in writing. And we answer every, literally every single question you have about publishing, self-publishing, getting an agent, In Go Teams, we also give you the massive behind the scenes to how I create reader profiles. We literally show you mine. How I write book proposals, we show you mine. We also pair you with a community of women who are moving forward in the same way so that you can encourage each other, so you can give each other tips and tricks. We have seen so many women come through Go Teams and then get publishing contracts and go on to write incredible books or find different avenues for their writing that are right for them. So here's the thing. We only offer Go Teams once a year and we will offer it in spring 2024, but you can literally get on the wait list right now. You can go to goandtellgals.com, hover over the coaching tab and hit join Go Teams and that'll get you on the wait list. Anything else I'm leaving out about Go teams. No. If you liked this episode, if you thought it was helpful, there's like a hundred times more info in Go Teams than in this episode. Yeah. Literally a (laughs) hundred times. And every single personal question that you want to ask, we'll answer. And if we don't know the answer, we'll find the answer. We also connect you with professionals and experts in the publishing industry. So agents and other authors will also offer their perspective for you. So that episode is for you. Okay. We have been very verbose. We love you. God is mighty in you. Thanks for hanging with us. Let us know what you thought about this episode. Love you gals. Bye. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast episode. 
We would be so blessed if you would take a minute to leave a review wherever you've listened to this podcast. You're also welcome and encouraged to share this on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you use social media. We'd also love to hear from you. DM us on Instagram or send us a message on Facebook. Shoot us an email. We love to connect with you to hear how we can encourage you and further equip you. God is mighty in you. Let's keep going. Thank you.